You're listening to The Riverwalk, the preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today, we're going to start studying biblical leadership, studying three biblical leaders in the Old Testament. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. You have a Bible this morning, and I hope you do. We have been in the New Testament so long, I'd like to go back to the Old Testament, and today we're going to read... In 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, we'll start reading in 1 Samuel chapter 9, and I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit through chapter 16. It's a lot to cover, and I keep going back and forth, but I want to cover three different people, and I want to talk to you today about biblical leadership, biblical leadership. In this world we live in today, I think a lot of times what happens in a lot of churches and what happens in a lot of families and the lives of a lot of people, maybe through no intention of our own, we kind of get the idea, we kind of mix biblical leadership and worldly leadership together. And I want you to understand this morning when you leave here that there couldn't be two more opposite things. That biblical leadership and worldly leadership is very, very different. And we should never try to lead as our politicians lead. And what do I want to talk about this today? I think it's a sermon that could be preached every single Sunday, but specifically today, this first Sunday in August. Because our church here begins every September. And it's always a stressful time, but it's also a very exciting time. It's an opportunity for great visions, for great goals, new ideas, new ministries, new opportunities. We've got to consider our church calendar. We're doing that tonight. We've got to consider our current leaders. We've got to consider our future leaders. We've got to consider our teachers, our officers. We've got to think about our budget and probably even other things that I can't even remember. But in light of that, I think there's a good lesson to be learned, especially from this book of 1 Samuel. Because just like we're doing right now, getting ready for a new beginning, like we do every September, or really every Sunday or every single day, this is something that was happening in Israel's history. There was about to be a new beginning There's three people I want to talk about in this story, or three events, you might say. One of the people is the current king, Saul. He's about to go out of power. He's about to be in the past. The other, that is God's voice or God's person, God's special special prophet or judge is Samuel, who the book is named after. And the third... Is the future, the future, the soon-to-be King David. And I want to tell you that everybody here, everybody here, whether you have a teaching role in this church or not, whether you are even a member of this church or not, can benefit from learning about these three individuals. Let me begin to tell you about what was going on. A little bit of background if you don't know the history of the Bible. Most of you probably know the Exodus story. There was Moses and God led the Israelites out of bondage, out of slavery. He leads them to the promised land. And after that, there comes a time of judges. And in that time of judges, you have several different ones. And then first Samuel begins. Hannah has Samuel. And Samuel is really twofold. He was really a judge. And he was also 
a, a prophet. And the people of Israel decides that no longer, no longer do we want a judge, but we want to be like the other nations. We want a king. We want this kind of leader. And you can read about this, I think it's in chapter 8. Samuel was very disheartened by this. Samuel was a judge. He had a leadership position, but the people wanted something different. He mourned over this, it says, and God told Samuel, don't worry about this, Samuel, because the people have not rejected you. They've rejected me. And God decides to give them exactly what the Israelites wanted. He decides to bring up a king. I'm going to give you a king, and not only am I going to give you a king, I'm going to give you the exact kind of king that you're looking for. We first read about the king that he provided, King Saul, in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2. It says, and he had a choice, talking about the, the uh, Kish, the guy's father. It says, and he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. So this is the kind of king that the Israelites were looking for. They're looking for somebody powerful. They're looking for somebody handsome. They're looking for somebody to lead them into war. And that is exactly what God gave them. And God was happy to do it. And not only was he happy to do it, he sent his prophet Samuel to speak at his coronation. He, speak, he sent his prophet Samuel to give Saul specific instructions. And I want you to look at some of these specific instructions starting in 1 Samuel chapter 10. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, in verse 6, there is a special promise that Samuel gave King Saul. And there is very specific instructions that Samuel gave King Saul. So Samuel says to Saul, he says, some events are going to happen. And then in verse 6, he says, Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasions demands, for God is with you. Man, that is a great promise. That's wonderful. What more can a leader want to hear? God's going to be with you. You're going to be turned into a different man. You are going to be God's man for this job. But this also comes with instructions. Not only are you going to be a new man, not only are you going to prophesy, you still need to listen to the instructions of God. And these are the very specific instructions that Samuel gave King Saul, one specifically. He said, You shall go down before me till Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. I'm going to tell you exactly what you should do. The Lord's going to be with you. Don't worry about it. I promise everything's going to be in control. You do what I tell you to do, and then this is the specific instructions. Go down before me, wait for me, wait seven days. At the end of seven days, I will be there. This is Samuel. This is God's mouthpiece. This is literally speaking for God himself. Some time goes by. 
In 1 Samuel chapter 13, it says that he had reigned for a year. A long time had happened. There was battles that ensued. And I guess what ended up happening to King Saul, either he forgot or either power got to his head because this specific instruction, King Saul just got impatient. King Saul just, he just got impatient and he decided to take things into his own hands. And we'll finish reading the whole story here in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 7. Remember the instruction. Samuel said, go down to Gilgal, wait seven days, and I will be there. This is the way it's going to be. Just do what I tell you to do, Saul. And it says in verse 7, chapter 13, verse 7, And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. Saul's got a choice here. Am I going to keep waiting, or am I going to take things into my own hands? Things look bad. This doesn't look like what I'm expecting it to look like. I know Samuel said he was coming, but seven days that went by, people are scattered. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm the king. People are looking to me. I'm the leader. Am I going to wait on Samuel? Am I going to wait on God? Or am I going to take things into my own hands and do things my way? It's a decision that many of us have to deal with, especially those of us in ministry. So it says in verse 9, So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him. Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, when I saw the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed that the Philistines were gathered together at Mishmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down to me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. Samuel said to Saul, you've done foolishly. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. Look, and look at this just for a second. Look, he didn't say commandments. He said commandment. I gave you one instruction and you didn't listen, Saul. So there's consequences for our actions. It says, For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. That seems very strict. That seems very unfair. And you almost feel bad for King Saul. But listen, as leaders, as leaders of the one that follows the one true God, We've got to realize that God's in control and we've got to grab hold of what King Saul did not. And that's that God gives specific instructions to his leaders. And let me just take a moment right here to explain this to all of you. We are all leaders. You men, you're called to be leaders in your homes. You're called to lead your wife. You're called to lead your children in the path of righteousness. 
We're also all called to follow somebody. We're called, especially as men, to hold on to God. We are called to be leaders of the home. You women, you are called to be leaders of your children. And even if you don't even have a family, even if you're a total orphan, you're called to lead others to Christ. That's what we're called to do. The Great Commission calls disciples to make disciples. And God gives specific instructions to his leaders. Also, let me pause for a minute right here. I want you to understand this, is that we're all in God's service until God removes us from service. This is a leader we're talking about going out of service, but don't get the wrong idea. When God calls you, he calls you to service and you're there to he takes you out. So current leaders, as we're going in this new church here, if you've not already realized that, just look at King Saul and learn from his folly that he expects us to do what he says, when he says it, as he says it. If you do not do those things, man, you're putting, you're putting your ministry at great peril. For this church here, whatever God's appointed you to do, don't take it into your own hands. That includes every church member here from the youngest to the oldest. Young people, you're a part of the body right now. You're a leader even as a teenager. King Saul, even with the best of intentions, even with the best of intentions, he was a king, he was worried about his people, but even with the best of intentions, when you take things into your own hands, it ends bad every single time. Church, I want to tell you, if you have an issue, any issue, Take your issues to the pastor, but don't assume to be the pastor. But worse than that, worse than that, if you have an issue, if things don't look right, don't assume to be God. That's what usually happens. We assume to know better than God, so we take things into our own hands and we try to do things our own way. We go with the culture instead of with Jesus. Don't make the statement that the Bible says this or the Lord says this if the Bible and the Lord didn't say it. Listen, as Christians, we should never be selective about the commandments we follow. We're called to love all our neighbors, not just some of our neighbors. We're called to invite everyone. Listen, this little book, this invitation book, we shouldn't be selective of who we put, whose hands we put it in. We should put it where God wants it to be. And when we don't do that, man, we fall into the trap that King Saul fell into. He did it his way instead of God's way. So invite everyone, share with everyone, pray with and pray for everyone. I want to tell you, one of the things that I see happen to King Saul, here's the problem. He just wasn't patient enough. Listen, this is something that we leaders really struggle with today. Be patient. God keeps his promises rarely. Very rarely does anything ever, ever happen or all on our own time. I mean, once again, I'll just remind you of this. Biblical, biblical leadership looks different than worldly leadership. But you know what else looks different? Biblical success looks different too. If you're measuring your success on the size of your Sunday school class, well, that's the wrong way to measure your success. If you're measuring your success on, on the size of the river kids, well, sure, that's an indication. 
But biblical success says, hey, one of those kids might be the next Billy Graham. One of those kids might be the next pastor of Beth River Baptist Church. One of those kids may be the next Lottie Moon or Georgia Barnett. That's what biblical success looks like. Biblical success and biblical leadership is putting it all, every single thing in God's hands. Worldly success They look at the economy within four years. They look at this within this day. They look at their popularity. That's not what the Bible says to do. The Bible says to put it in God's hands. And even though King Saul had the very best of intentions, his reign ended in disaster because he did things his way instead of God's way. He took on a role that was not his. I just want to encourage you here this morning. Don't do this. In your family... Grab onto your role and take the role as husband, provider, dad, mom, children. The Bible says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Listen, culture says children disobey, children run away. The Bible doesn't say this. And when you do things your way, it ends in disaster. So learn from the failure of King Saul. Biblical leadership sometimes fails And it always fails when we take things into our own hands. But thank God there's a current leader, a leader who stayed in power, a leader who did exactly what God wanted him to do when he wanted him to do it. And I think there's a great lesson to be learned by this present leader, the man, the prophet, the judge called Samuel. You can read more about him. Hannah was his mother. Hannah prayed for this child. Samuel was born. Samuel did great things. And during this process, Samuel had a hard time during this process. You can read, let's start reading in 1 Samuel chapter 10. Let's read about what was going on in Samuel's life because I promise you, there's some things that happen at the front of the scenes, but there's always things going on behind the scenes. Let's talk about what was going on behind the scenes with Samuel. After Saul had been rejected as king, remember Samuel and Saul, they had a relationship here. It says in 1 Samuel 15, verse 10, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And look at this. There's a good lesson in this. It says, And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. Samuel was just heartbroken over this whole situation. Israel wanted a king. I told him it was a bad idea. They rejected me. They rejected you. They got what you wanted. And now the country's about to be torn apart. It grieved him. His heart was broken. Look down in verse 35. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord regretted he had made Saul king over Israel. One more verse about Samuel. In 16 verse 1, he says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse, a Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Listen, I want you to understand this, leaders. Leaders mourn. Church members, I want you to know that your leaders mourn. It's only a natural thing to do. If you care deeply about others, even if they've done the completely wrong thing, even if they're, is in, if they're in the wrong, leaders mourn. I want to tell you, as a pastor, 
I absolutely mourn when I look at empty pews. I mourn when I know that some that used to be faithful here are faithful no more. I mourn at those that are absolutely willing to risk COVID to go buy a Happy Meal at McDonald's, but they're not going to come to the Lord's house. I mourn at those that just seem to have no trust in the Lord no more. And I know some of our leaders now, I want to tell you, I know that some of you mourn when you pour into a Sunday school lesson and you come and nobody's there. I know that some of you come on Wednesday nights ready to pray for one another and you mourn because nobody's there. And I know that some of you pray for lost family members, for lost children, and you mourn because it looks like your prayers are not heard or they're not answered on your time. And I just want to encourage you leaders that God did not condemn Samuel from mourning. He didn't say, Samuel, this is a bad thing you're mourning. If you love someone, it's natural to mourn. But there is a but. There is a but to this. God just told Samuel, how long, Samuel? You can't live like this forever. There is a but in this. We must, we must move on from our past and look toward the future. There's so many things to mourn. We can mourn about the condition of our country. We can mourn about the president. We can mourn about the empty pews. But God told Samuel, how long are you going to do this? Fill your horn with oil and go. I've got somebody else in mind. God's got a plan for this church. And listen, even more than that, God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for me. God's got a plan for your children. A plan we can't see, a plan we can't understand, a plan that is bigger than us, a plan that is bigger than our time on earth. Listen, we've got to stop. We've got to stop living in the past and start putting our wholehearted trust in God. Listen to this. Look what God says. It's so plain. God says, ah, I have provided myself a king. It wasn't Samuel. It wasn't Israel. Israel got what they wanted. And God says, I'm stepping in. I've got a plan. I want to tell you this morning, I don't know when it'll be. I don't know how it'll be. But God already has the next pastor in line for Beth River Baptist Church. Whether it's years ahead when I resign or whether it's tomorrow when I die. Listen, I got comfort in that. God knew before I was even born who my wife would be, who my children would be. He knows you better than you know yourself. Biblical leadership is leaning onto that truth, doing what God calls you to do when he calls you to do it. Because guess what? In the grand scheme of things, God's got a plan. God's got plans. Are you trusting him this morning? In verse four, in verse four, there's a beautiful, beautiful contrast. What was the difference between Saul and Samuel? Here's the difference between the two. It said, so Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. Those five words. What was the difference between King Saul and Judge Samuel? Those five words, do what the Lord says. Listen, if you want to be used to your full potential in whatever leadership role you have, that's the answer. Do 
what the Lord says. If you want to be used to your full potential for Beth River Baptist Church, in your role as a child, in your role as a mom, in your role as a dad, in your role as a pastor, do what the Lord says. When it looks impossible, when it doesn't make sense, follow Samuel's example and do those five words. Do what the Lord says. And listen, you can read up a couple of verses. That didn't make sense to Samuel. How can I go, he says in verse 4. If he hears it, he's going to kill me. This doesn't make sense. But Samuel says, you know what? I'm going to do what the Lord says. He's never let me down before, so he's not going to let me down now. That's the difference between King Saul and the prophet Samuel. But thank God there's a future. There's also a future. God's got a future plan too. So let's take one more example this morning and let's look at the future example who would become King David. So in verse 4 it says, So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely this is the Lord's anointed one. This has got to be him. This looks like who God's got in mind. Look at verse 7. I like this. It's in your bulletin. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as the man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord's not chosen these. Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he says, there remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him. I remember what King Saul looked like. We read in verse 9. And look what David looks like. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord says, Arise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Look at this future King David. Man, if you could grab on to one truth, one truth, leave here today and understand, like it says in verse 7, the Lord God does not see as man sees. Listen, church, understand this. You will always, always feel unqualified if you look at yourself like man looks. It's just going to happen. If you look in the mirror, whatever task God has given you to do, you're going to feel unqualified. I feel unqualified every single day, especially on Sunday. I'm absolutely terrified about starting school this fall. I feel unqualified for that. But listen, I'm not going to say no to service because of how I feel or how I look. I'm not going to say no to service because of something in my past because God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He does it every single time. You read the Bible, you will see example of example of example of this. And you'll start to realize this, but I want to tell you something else. Somebody else knows this too. 
Satan, the devil, the demons, principalities, sin, everything that is inside you knows this. And as we go into this new church year, he's going to use all these tactics to try his very best to keep God's kingdom from going forward. You aren't smart enough. You're not old enough. You're too old. You're too busy. You're not liked enough. There's too much in your past. Brother Kevin would never go for that. The church won't accept you. Yada, yada, yada. All lies from the devil. Listen, the Lord doesn't see as man sees. The Lord looks at the heart. God calls the worst. Very often, God calls the worst in man's eyes to service. I mean, just look at the Apostle Paul. Other disciples and and apostles, they were scared to death of this man. But God says, hey, this is my guy. God's eyes are different than ours. Now look, church, I'm talking about biblical leadership and I get that. And maybe, maybe you're here this morning and maybe God might be calling you to service. But there's also, there's also a real possibility better than calling you to service. He may be calling you to family. He may be calling you to be His. He may be calling you to be His child. He may be calling you to be saved. He may be calling you to be a church member. Whatever it is, I absolutely guarantee you the lies from the devil are the exact same. Church won't accept you. The pastor won't accept you. Nobody wants to see an old man come to the altar. Nobody wants to see a young woman or a young man walk to the altar. Over and over and over, the lies from the devil are always the same. And I just concluded this morning by saying, look at these three examples. Samuel didn't even realize that that one of the greatest kings Israel would ever have was right in front of him. Listen, church, whatever the case may be, if he's calling you, he'll qualify you. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope you know that you're called to be a godly, biblical leader. And I hope you know that even if you feel unqualified, that while man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. Have a wonderful week.